Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Um, this is a day uh, where we remember lives lost. Um, and those of you who... Uh, Jeff made it sound like it was a long time ago, and it is, uh, 21 years ago. Some of you weren't even alive. Um, but uh, that day was a day that sparked patriotism. But really, as we look back, it really marks a day of wickedness, right? Uh, wickedness of... Lives lost in wickedness and uh, brings us to the point of all needing a savior. Um, these two ladies came and uh, had a, displayed their faith in Jesus uh, publicly in baptism. They need Jesus. And uh, this uh, second service, we're going to have a few more um, that also um, need Jesus. And this is what we represent here as God's people just people in need, um, and as we get there. So uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, from Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12, going down through verse 17. God's word says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, uh, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Uh, For if uh, you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if By the Spirit, uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Uh, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit uh, that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God, thank you for your word. We ask your blessing uh, uh, on it to us that we would be changed. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to see clearly um, what your word is saying and the riches that are found because of Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this morning we got a, a great passage, and I, I trust that as we uh, come to this passage that um, I'll get out of the way and so that you might hear from God um, and that my words would somehow help you understand uh, all that God has for you today. Um, as we go to God's Word... It's just what it says. It's God wrote a book, right? He wrote a book. He gave us some words. Uh, He has a message for us. And as he gives it to us and we understand it, uh, he gives us all that we need, all that we need. And I hope that that's why you're here this morning. And as God has brought you, I trust that our time together will be uh, powerful in your life and really giving you the courage and strength and message for the week to come. Um, we've been going over Romans chapter 8, but we've been in the study of this whole book of the Romans, and, and the, the first part of chapter 8 is talking about uh, no condemnation because of what Christ has done. Uh, for those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. It's not that there aren't people that would condemn you. There are always people that will say uh, things about you. But when it comes to your relationship with your Creator, uh, there's no more condemnation. 
It's not that you haven't done things. It's not that you're not guilty. Uh, but because of what Christ has done, he has made right what is wrong. And so we rejoice. He goes on from there to talk about uh, the, the idea that we are still in the flesh, uh, that we are fleshly people. And when you talk about the flesh, when it comes to the scriptures, it's not a good thing. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing either. It's just a weak thing, a weak thing that will have a propensity and a leaning and it will give in uh, to sin over and over and over again. When we come to faith in Jesus, we are now in the spirit. And yet uh, it's not that we cannot continue to sin um, even as Paul said in chapter 7, he says, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, you know, that this is where I am. I, I do the things that I don't want to do, even as a, a believer. And so uh, we still trust in Christ. We have his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is uh, the rule or now the one that has set us free that we might live uh, according to what the Father has for us. Which brings us to uh, verse 12. And I would just say, now, how do we live? How do we live as believers? Having uh, been saved, we're no longer in the flesh, we're in the spirit. Uh, it's not that those temptations aren't there. How do we now live in the spirit? Well, we live by it. We live by the spirit. Verses 12 says this. Verse 12 says this. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. I know that's an awkward translation, but sometimes in translation, Greek to English, it's a little awkward. But the idea here is this. We're a debtor. We're a debtor. In some translations, it says obligated, obligated. The idea of being a debtor or obligated is you're stuck, right? You're stuck. You're, you're, uh, you're stuck in relationship, um, if you have a debt of some sort or a mortgage, um, you are stuck in that mortgage. You can not want to pay it and you can, but eventually what's going to happen, they're going to take your house away from you. And so you're stuck in that r- relationship. And, and he's going on and he says, you're a debtor, you're a debtor. And you say, I am? What kind of debt do I have? And he says, it's not to the flesh. Uh, Sometimes we talk about our sins like we have to do them. We have to do them. And, and you say, well, you know, I'm stuck or I'm addicted or I, I, I have this habit I can't break. And the word of God says this. If you're in the spirit, you're no longer in the flesh and you're indebted not to the flesh, not to the weak flesh that would continue, continue, continue to go back uh, to the very things that we were stuck in before. He says, you're indebted, but not to the flesh, but you have a relationship now, and it's a different kind of debt. He's going to go on to talk about this sweet relationship that we have uh, because of Jesus. A debt or an obligation feels bad, right? It feels oppressive, and yet this new relationship with Christ based upon the Spirit of God based upon the Spirit of God, is now a good obligation. It's a good debt uh, that we are connected with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so he says in, in verse 12, he says, uh, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. He's gone over that over. Where does the flesh lead you to death? 
But now, uh, but if the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I want to I want to encourage you that, that verses twelve and thirteen are talking about how do we live now? What should we be doing now? Having the Holy Spirit in us, what is our? You can say it this way: What is our occupation? What do we now fill our days with? Well, uh, it's found in verse thirteen. It says, "You put to death the deeds of the body. You put them to death. Those deeds of the flesh that you were committed to and done, and there were your habits, and you were the way you did life, the way you handled life. Um, you know, those those sins that you committed over and over again that somehow were a comfort to you, but they weren't really comfort comforting, and they brought about death to your life. What do you do now?" You put to death those deeds of the body, and, and out of that you'll have life. I want to tell you, um, the best picture I can, uh, have any of you ever used Roundup? Roundup? Um, I've, been, I've been told, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a chemist or anything, that this the same stuff they used in Vietnam uh, to kill lots of things, to Agent Orange, you know, it's the same type thing. And some of you are, are good organic people and you say, oh, I'd never spray Roundup on my house and so on and so forth. Great, I'm with you. Uh, but when it comes to your sin, I was thinking about how, how this connects to your sin. Some of us uh, get comfortable with our sin, the sins of the past. We allow our sins to identify us generation to generation. And the, the idea of how do we now live, how do we now live as one who is controlled, that's what we talked about last, controlled by the Spirit of God. Well, we put to de- death those things, right? Um, when you really get fed up with the weeds around you, uh, are you kind to them? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think about how we take care of our weeds. We take, take a weed whipper or whacker or whatever you want to call it, right? And it just does violence, and we don't really care. In fact, there's a great satisfaction to it, right? Um, <laughs> You know, and, and the idea of Roundup, you say, I know this kills everything, but as long as the weeds are gone, I love it, right? We get vicious, right? Because we see that which is bad and we say, I don't care, I just need to get rid of it. And as we look at the deeds of the flesh, the sins of the past, the, the things that marked us, this is now our occupation. This is the, now the thing that we do. These misdeeds of the flesh, these things that once marked us, uh, now, as we live in Christ, as we live with the Spirit of God, our living holy occupation is now to get rid of the deeds of the flesh. So as you think about what is your life like now, uh, it's to get rid of those deeds of the flesh as God's people. How are we supposed to walk with him? It's not that we're just forgiven. It's that we now walk with him in a way, listening to the spirit of God who gives us strength and power to deal with all those sins. Uh, This is how we now live. Which brings us to verse 14. A child of God. A child of God. Um, This is such a great passage. I just want to just look at it right now. Just look at it. Uh, This is so important for us. I know many of you are struggling right now, uh, maybe with sickness. Maybe you're just struggling with your own sins and insecurities. Maybe you're struggling with your past 
maybe distant past or even recent past, like the last couple of years. Um, and you say, I'm struggling to go on. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with uh, the idea of fear. And then I come to God's word. And verse 14 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He goes on and makes this transition from uh, a wretched man that I am. There's no condemnation. Walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And all these things are important truths. And now he says, sons of God. Sons of God. If you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you are sons of God. And some of you are daughters here today, and you say, why didn't it say uh, sons and daughters of God? I think there are some translations who say that, but know this, it's just a grammatical thing, right? It's the idea of mankind. Uh, That includes womankind too, okay? You don't have to say it, like it includes all humans, all people. Uh, This word sons, uh, it is highlighting something special, and I want to point that out. But this idea of sons is children. Uh, It's the idea of sons and daughters, the plural. All you Greek students can uh, help us with that. Thank you, Caleb. It's good to have you here today. Um, First service, no less. Sons of God. The Spirit of God, you are sons of God. And I'll just keep going because I think the whole thought needs to be thought of together. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, now I want you to get this because I think it's important. In, chapter, uh, in chapters previous, 6 and 7, it talks about uh, this idea of slavery. You were enslaved to sin. And, and slavery to sin, we know about that, right? We hate the idea of slavery. We hate the idea of having to do, of fearfully having to do what we do not want to do because we're slaves to it. And that's the slavery to sin. And now he points back to that idea, that concept. And he says in verse 15, for you, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to ba- fall back into fear. Well, what does he mean? So if you can picture yourself as a slave, just uh, a possession of someone. You have a value, but it's a value as a slave. And it's, it's a purchase price that you can't afford to own yourself, right? So you can't buy yourself. So you're a slave. And what happens when your slave owner uh, wants to get rid of you? He just sells you, right? And you can picture yourself as a, as a, a piece of livestock, if you will, being a purchase price and this idea that you, you know, uh, 20 bucks, okay, we're worth 20 bucks and I'm a slave and I'm owned and my owner says, I got this offer for 20 bucks for you and I'm going to sell you and they receive the 20 bucks and I go on to go from one slave situation to another, to another. Just a different master, that's all it is. Still, that, that idea that I'm fearfully stuck there, the laws press in around me, that this is where I am. I am a slave. I am a slave. This is just what I am. The Apostle Paul, as he is talking about this, and there is a, a way to talk about us being slaves to Christ, but know this, in this passage, he is not focusing on our, our picture of being a slave 
He's saying, we're not going to do this again. This is not one of those transactions. You're not going from one slave owner to the other. You're not fearing one and then fearing the other in, in that same situation. It's a very different situation. Well, what is it? He alluded to it earlier in verse 12 when he said, brothers, right? Brothers and sisters, brothers. What is that? Well, in verse 14, he says, sons of God. In verse 15, he says, uh, adoption as sons. And, And you get the picture here, right? That God did not just buy us. He did not purchase us. He did purchase us. But he adopted us. He brought us into his family. And so this idea of the slavery, going back to this, uh, this idea of slavery that we're fearfully uh, working and we're fearing the, the, the displeasure of the master, he says, no, we receive a different kind of spirit, the spirit of adoption as sons. And he describes it by saying this, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. As you see this, um, and, and let me back up a little bit and just say this. Uh, many of you know about adoption well. Like you, you participated in your family. Like, like you, you were adopted or you adopted someone or someone in your family was. And so there's this beautiful picture that you may, maybe understand better than some of us. But, but I want you to underline this, highlight this in your own mind and heart right now. You are not a child of God. You are not a child of God in this sense by creation. And when I say by creation, I'm saying by your birth. By your birth. You're not a child of God. I want you to get that. It's very important. I think that many people believe this. They say, well, um, because God created me, I'm his child. I'm a part of his family just because I was born. I was born. And the word of God is clear in a a saving way, in a salvation, eternal life sort of way. That is not true. Which makes this passage even greater, even greater, as we think about what he's saying. He says, in this passage, you're not a child by creation, but by adoption. By adoption. And what is that? How does that make a big deal in our own minds and hearts? It's this. That because we have sinned, not just a little bit, but as you, as you look at the scriptures, even the book of Romans, uh, we're stuck in sin, we're lost in sin, we're dead in sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. In that state, him knowing the depth of our sin, the mess of our life, him knowing us, it says you're adopted as sons. Adopted as sons. Adopted as my sons and daughters, my children. That you're not just another slave that uh, sleeps out in the barn, but that you've come into my household. That you are now my child. And it, it says this, it says, uh, and, and our hearts, and our hearts, this picture of us in, in, in our hearts crying out. This is not a speech given, prepared. 
It's not something that is dispassionate and just saying the truth. He says, by, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the Aramaic word for father. So it's father twice, right? Aramaic and Greek. The idea of the word Abba is, um, is kind of that, what a little child does, even an infant, when they just start to make words, they do that babbling thing where they just ba 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 ba, you know. And it's that special kind of thing that connects to the father, right? I want to, before we talk about the intimacy of this, I want to say this. The father, in Aramaic and Greek as well, this idea of father, that that word, is not just about uh, intimacy, but it's the head of the family, the head of the family. And the head of the family uh, was the one who decided what went on in the household. You can picture a father uh, standing at the uh, the door of the house and saying, you can come in and you can be a part and you cannot come in and you're not to be a part or you're in and you're thrown out because I don't want you anymore. The father was the head of the household. And you get this picture here as you think about the adoption as sons is the one being adopted cries out And in identification, he says, Abba, Father. This this word Abba, uh, this this identification of the Aramaic was a a tender thing as well, an intimate one. It wasn't so much a proper identification as it was that a child would say to his father. What's so great about uh, uh, children, little ones, they trust in their parents, um, even if their parents aren't trustworthy, like some of us, <laughs> right? Uh, they, they think we're Superman and Superwoman when we're not. But the picture here is this, and it's such a, a beautiful picture that, that the one who is a slave, the one who has been traded from slave, some one slavery to the other, is finally now released from that. And not just to another relationship of slavery, but what? A relationship as a child of God. And so, so the one adopted cries out in, in this idea of desperate, uh, it could be fear, it could be also like joy. He cries out what? Abba, Father. Speaking of this intimate relationship that now is true, between the one who needed adoption and the one who is their heavenly father. I want to say that in Mark chapter 14, uh, as Jesus was in the garden and he was crying out, he probably was using the word Abba as he spoke. uh, Father, he's speaking to his father before he went to the cross. And what's so amazing about this is, is this, and Paul is connecting Uh, something that is hard for us to grasp is just as Jesus cried out to the Father, we now come alongside Christ and we now have this same crying out relationship where we can identify the God of the universe as our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father. 
Some have said that this uh, word uh, is probably equated with uh, daddy, and that's probably an accurate way to think about it. As a small child would call upon their father, daddy. This is the picture of us. And and this morning, before we go on any further, I want to tell you that whenever the idea of father comes up in church, a lot of different things go through our mind. So some of you have a, a great dad who is a, a, a great picture or um, first picture of what your heavenly father is like. But, but if you chose to, if you chose to, you could remember the days where your dad was selfish, prideful, and hurtful. And you could say, oh, my dad wasn't a good dad, and that's why I'm a mess today. And, and you, can, you can think in terms of that, and you can say, well, if God's like my father, I don't want any part of him. And I want to tell you, the scripture is here for us to know this, that God is not like your father. God is perfect. And that all the sins that your father struggled with, God has none of them, and he is greater in wisdom and strength and love for you than anyone. Others of you here, uh, you, you might think in terms of you've been a bad father. Um, and you can look back on those days where you were not what your kids needed. And, and you can replay those over and over again. And this idea of father, and I just want to say, put all those things aside. This is not about you. This is not about me. This is about the greatness of our heavenly father, his love for us that is so special I want to point something out. It may seem like a subtle point, and I I struggled earlier in the week, and even as I think through my message, I want to say, I want to say, well, what is this passage teaching? It's teaching that I am a child of God. That's the point of the passage. (laughs) And, And I think there's a subtle difference here. There's a subtle difference that you should make a shift in your mind, and I should make a shift in my mind. What is it? It's not that I am a child of God, that's true, but that he is my heavenly father. And I cry out to him, I cry out to him. One, uh, one writer said this, he said, uh, this is not about us crying, I am a child of God. This is us crying out to our heavenly father, the focus being on him. I, I want to tell you that this passage it shows the riches that we have because of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross that we, there would no longer be any condemnation. We now live by the Spirit. We're putting the, uh, to death the deeds of the body. But in this sweet relationship that we now have, we are children of God, that we have a Father, that we have been adopted as sons. Verse 16 says this, it says uh, that uh, his spirit, verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It may seem complicated, but this idea here is this, as, as the Holy Spirit works in us, it speaks to our inner man and confirms what God has already done, that we are his children. Apart from which, the work of the spirit, we cannot know. We cannot uh, be assured. We cannot be in faith. And so I'd say it this way. Family matters most. 
whose family are you a part of? Uh, He's his brothers and sisters as he begins this passage. And then he says, uh, sons, and you're adopted as sons, crying out, Abba, Father, crying out, Abba, Father. I want to tell you that I don't know what's going on in the world or in your world, but I know this, that family matters most. Family matters most. Who, who is your family? Who is your family? And most importantly, who is your father, the one you can run to? Which brings us to verse 17. Heirs with Christ. Verse 17. Um, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. I think it's hard to imagine, and there's some passages in Galatians that teach this exact same thing. Paul wrote those as well. That it's hard to imagine yourself as an orphan, is in needing of adoption, an orphan slave, if you will. It's hard to imagine yourself as that because we're proud Americans, right? We're self-sufficient. We do what we want. Our vote counts. We are people that can do whatever we want because we're Americans. We have rights that were given by God, and so we celebrate those, and we think of ourselves as independent. The Scripture says something differently spiritually. That we're slaves. We're slaves and we're stuck. We can't do anything about it. And, and we go in this passage from slaves, from slaves uh, obligated to the flesh, to free, to free sons, adopted sons and daughters of God. That we have now not just relationship Not just free, but brought into his household. Not just brought into his household, but now into intimate relationship with the Father. And not just in intimate relationship with the Father, but in verse 17, it says, heirs, heirs. When you see that word heir, you think of the idea of of riches, The word uh, implies the idea of receiving property and wealth. And and not just receiving property and wealth, but even before it happens, the idea, we do this with um, great, uh, huge families that have great wealth in the United States. And and we'll see someone as a 20 or 30-year-old, but their father or grandfather has incredible wealth. And we say, oh, there's the heiress or there's the heir. Um, and they're treated special today, though they haven't received all their wealth. And this is the picture of, of God's people, of those who have trusted in Christ, who have received the Holy Spirit. What are they now? If they're children, then they're heirs. Then they're heirs. This is an amazing place for someone who used to be a slave orphan, now to be an heir. Heirs of God, and he says, and fellow heirs with Christ. How can it be? How can it be? How can the riches of Christ, how can, how can it be the one that is our Savior is now we get to share with him 
and the riches of eternity, all that the Father has, we receive because we are now part of the family. How can it be? He connects us with Christ in being heirs in verse 17. Uh, And we see the riches that are connected with us being heirs and with Christ. And then it says this, provided we suffer with him. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I was was good. I was good. Like like I, I realized that I wasn't a slave any longer. I liked that part. I was an orphan slave. I got to be part of the family. I got an intimate relationship with the father that I now call him father. And now I get heirs and the position, all the riches. What's the deal with this suffering? What's the deal with that? And I want to tell you, that's what Christ experienced down here. That's what he did. And to be connected with Christ means that we will suffer at points in time. And we should suffer. And and I want to tell you this. I I want to be, um, I say this often, but this is a math problem here. This is a math problem. He, He places the riches of relationship with the Father. All that comes for us in Christ, all that we receive through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Did you see the the Trinitarian passage here? (laughs) What Jesus has done, we're in Christ, no condemnation, that the Spirit of God is in us. He does the work of uh, restoring us and bringing us and continuing His work in us. And we have a relationship with the Father. That's three in one, right? (laughs) Um, But but you you need to see this, that that suffering suffering is placed in, uh, side by side which the, with the riches that are found in relationship with the Father. And the question is, uh, what's more valuable to you? And, and, and when it comes to the point in time of suffering, will you say, I'm not doing that. I'll give up. I, I want to tell you that, that suffering and following after Christ is what it is to be his child. It is the path from now until then. That's what it is. And so as we, we see this, and he's going to talk about this further, explain further, I would say, in verses 18 and on. We'll look at those in the weeks to come. But he says, uh, though you have the riches, though you are the heirs because of Jesus, there will be suffering with him. There will be suffering with him. But don't worry, they'll be suffering with him. It will also be that we will be glorified with him. All the glories of heaven, all the riches found in eternity, um, that too will be ours because of our connection with Christ. I want to give you three things just in there, the three points. I just want to summarize them once again. First of all, what are we to be doing right now? Our holy occupation, getting rid of sin. Round up if you need it, okay? Be aggressive, like get rid of sin. That's what we do. Second thing, second thing, family matters most. Family matters most. Not your past, not your past, not not your possessions and things of this life, not your situation, but now it matters brothers and sisters brought together as sons of God, sons and daughters of God, adopted Adopted, full heirs, full heirs, which brings us to that last point, slaves to heirs, slaves to heirs. 
I really think that um, we can live a life of victory. We can overcome depression. We can be thankful people. And you say, well, how? I want to tell you how. Remember that you were once a slave orphan. And now know because of Jesus, you are a child heir of Christ. Everything that is. Amen. Yeah, yeah. To remember that, to remember that will put fuel in your tank. It will, it, it will be the thing that keeps you going. It will keep you out of those dark places knowing that all the riches that are found because of Jesus are yours. Let's pray. And God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. God, help us to understand all that you've granted us, all the riches that we have in Christ. God, may we um, never find ourselves to be pitied uh, because we have it all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. God, I pray for those who may not know you today, who aren't, aren't settled in their position with you. I pray that they would trust in you today, that they would abandon their own fleshly ways and trust in the only Christ, the only one that can save us. God, help us to remember that this this week. In Jesus' name, amen.